Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. It is Super Bowl episode. We have made it on the podcast to our Super Bowl Pitcher Bet. So Matt and I are going to get started picking our Super Bowl winners, betting a pitcher, and then we'll get into the NBA trade deadline. It was crazy yesterday. We're recording this on Friday, so we're about 24 hours removed from the NBA trade de- trade deadline news. And we got a lot to talk about. So let's get the episode rolling. Run the music. Let's go, baby. everyone i'm your host matt guest welcome to the podcast with me as always is my co-host clean shaven because the mask mandate is gone in vegas matt morris what's up buddy that's right we are free here in cheers vegas. to that it's huh? a, you uh, know, very exciting day this morning already yeah my uh you know my iced tea here cheers Shout to out. that you gotta go to work <laughs> <laughs> yeah i gotta serve everyone the alcohol um right. yeah dude we're excited out here it's nice weather's kind of like ticking up a little bit it is uh it's Spring is in the air, I guess you could say, in February here in Las yeah. Vegas. But uh, yeah, no, no masks anymore. So we're super excited. And uh, dude, the buzz is around. I think you know we're talking football here for a little bit, but the NBA trade deadline had my coworker shook last night. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, this was one of the best trade deadlines we've had in recent memory, in my opinion. It's been a while since from Pacific time, from about ten a.m. Pacific till the twelve, maybe nine thirty. 10 a.m. Pacific till the deadline. I was on Twitter refreshing, refreshing. Shams, Woj, here we go. It was it was awesome, man. And we got a lot to talk about on that front. But we can't start the pod without getting into the Super Bowl, man. We've been mm-hmm. covering the NFL all season, and it's time. It's the biggest game of the season. Our teams aren't in it, so it's kind of a bummer for you and I. But I'm really excited for the game, so let's get to it after this break. <laughs> All right, Matt. So pitcher bet time. First time listeners. This is the pitcher bet sports podcast all season. Matt and I have been betting pitchers every single week of the regular season and the playoffs. Me, Matt Guest, I took the title this year by only two games. It was really close. Uh, You made a nice comeback at the end of the year. But at the end of the day, I won the ultimate season pitcher bet. But this is the only one that matters. It's a Super Bowl, bro. So we discussed off camera to make sure that we had different picks and we actually both picked a different winner of the game. So we didn't ask why. And so I'm curious, you give me your pick and why. Okay, so my pick, my pitcher bet pick to start my Tom Brady run of dominance (laughs) in the pitcher bet sports podcast pitchers of all time. I'm taking the uh, Los Angeles Rams here. I think ultimately the star power, we're finally going to see it on a the largest scale, and we're going to finally see it pay true dividends. If you think about from an experienced perspective, Darnold, Ramsey, OBJ, Matthew Stafford, these guys have been in the league five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, right? This is their opportunity to capitalize on all that experience, and it's their time for their, their real stars to shine, right? These are stars. Stars have to shine. And I think at the end of the day, too, even if half of them play a great game, that's enough for the Rams to get over the hump. And I think at the same time, you have a lot of momentum coming in from the Bengals. Momentum is really nice. But what stops momentum? Experience and stars. 
And I think when you have a lack of experience in the big time game over and over and over, they've seemed to find a way to win. At some point, that luck stops. And I just don't think they have enough. Now, I want the Bengals to win. I just don't <laughs> see it happening. Yeah. So the obvious answer for me on who I'm picking, I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't bring it up on the last podcast, uh, but you know I do have a ticket already in for them money line. And I'm going to take them against the spread as well, obviously, because they're underdogs. I The biggest reason for me is I just think they have really good team chemistry. And what I mean by that, and I know that's a cookie cutter answer, is that from special teams all the way to the worst player on offense and worst player on defense, I think this is the ultimate team. And at the end of the day, you can have as many stars as you want, as many you know big maxed out contract players as you want. The best team normally wins and the Bengals have proven me wrong week in week out throughout these playoffs so I'm not doubting them this time I don't think this is just going to be a Joe Burrow Jamar Chase thing it's going to be everyone from Mike Hilton to Burrow to Chase and to the guy that we'll get to on my Super Bowl props here in a second Evan McPherson to win them the game I expect this game and I'm picking the Bengals because I think it's going to be a field goal or less game I also could see it slipping away from them, the Rams blowing them out. But at the end of the day, the Rams have not shown the ability to finish anybody off throughout the regular season and the postseason. I think this game is where it finally bites them in the ass. I just can't wait for this game. I'm really hoping it is a tight, close game and not a blowout. Well, and I think you look at the last, I don't know, you look at the last 10 Super Bowls. Um, maybe one or two of those Super Bowls was really predictable, at least from my perspective. Usually the game starts and it, and it goes a way that I didn't expect. And I'm hoping that's how this game goes as well. I'm expecting the Rams to come out strong. I'm expecting them to really force Burrow to throw the ball. And I'm expecting some of these secondary guys that we graded out as terrible to not actually play as bad. Yep. And it to be a very hard time for Burrow to move the ball. I'm hoping it's the exact opposite. I'm hoping, I'm hoping Burrow has his way with that Rams secondary. But it's going to be a fantastic game. Um, and there's one thing I want to add here. This is something I don't know if I spoke about on air or if I just spoke it around other people. I'm very proud of Aaron Rodgers for not taking the spotlight off the Super Bowl and announcing his decision <laughs> today, tomorrow, or possibly uh, on the Super Bowl. I expected his decision to come down this week to make it more about him. Kudos to him. I think that's a mature, um, mature move on his part. Yeah, I saw a lot of good memes about his outfit, and the best one was, I don't know if you've seen Yellowstone, Matt, but he looked like a character out of Yellowstone is what they were saying, and I love that. I was like, yeah, shout out, Rogers. He probably is watching that show. It's uh, I love that show. It's a great show. And honestly, I thought the award ceremony, uh, I only saw clips of it online yesterday, but I thought they did a great job. I thought, was it Keenan, Keenan Keel? Is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, I think it's a, it's the guy from Keenan Peel, so I think it's Keenan Michael Key, I think is Yeah, his I think name? so. He, right? What a great choice sure. to host, though. He roasted Mahomes, and I thought that was so <laughs> funny, right? So awkward for a lot of people in that room, but really funny for all the players that are in the Chiefs. And honestly, at least it wasn't Rodgers, uh, you know, because usually the butt of the joke is him. A little sensitive. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I, I thought I thought Keen did a, did a fantastic job. Awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't get to too much of it. I'm not a big NFL awards guy, but uh, TJ, I saw the clip TJ Watt getting announced by his brother, JJ for Defensive Player of the Year. That was my favorite clip from Twitter and Instagram that I saw. Yeah, let's check that out. There's there's a lot out there. Who won Iron Man? Did they give uh, the Walter Payton Award out yesterday? Oh, the Walter Payton. Yeah, so it was uh, Whitworth, with Whitworth for the Rams, the O-lineman, the guy who's like 42. He did win it? 
Okay. And um, apparently he had an incredible speech. I haven't seen it yet, though. So, yeah, you need to check this out. So he brings up a rookie for the Lions. And he says uh, after they played the Lions, this kid runs up to him. And he's kind of nervous, doesn't understand why the guy's running up to him. And he comes up to Wit and he says, hey, Wit, you're not going to remember me. And it's like, okay, whatever. He's like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you came to the Boys and Girls Clubs in Cincinnati because Wit used to be a Bengal. And he said, you used to sit with me and talk with me. And just like be my friend, you know, just be there for me. And he just was like, "All I want to tell you is I made it. I made it to the NFL." It almost made me cry. Damn, I'm almost that up gives right me here. chills. That's dope. And Wit was just like, you know, that's damn. He's like, damn, like that's the impact that I had as a professional athlete. And I hope everyone in that room took that as we have so much more of a responsibility because look, I changed. I may have changed one person's life just by 15 minutes. Toy, you know once every month, once every week, whatever it was for him to go there. Um, I think that was probably the best story I've heard from just a simple act of, uh, of kindness and, you know, community That's badass. give back. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check out that clip. That's amazing. <laughs> Moving on to the prop bets. So Super Bowl prop bets. I have, um, I think I have eight or nine. I need to double check my counting, but um, I have a lot more than you, so I want you to be able to use the platform to go over yours first, and then I know we have a couple that we agree on. I'll go over the one on FanDuel specifically that we both like, and um, yeah, just kick it off, Matt. What are your uh, what are your props that you like? Heck yeah! So uh, first one I really really like is the plus six fifty odds for the Bengals cornerbacks to have an interception. All three of the starters from the two outside corners to the inside slot corner, which is Hilton. Um, and then Apple, and then our boy who I cannot pronounce. Again, I am sorry. <laughs> All our plus 650 on interception. I think that's a fantastic uh, little sprinkle. If you just put 10 bucks on each of those guys, you're probably going to cash in on at least one of them. And then Joe Burrow to throw three touchdowns. I think in this game, if the Bengals win, we talked Love about it. this, Joe Burrow is going to have to throw the ball. On top of that, you have a uh, Joe Mixon touchdown overall in this game rushing. I think that's going to happen as well. And then one that me and you both like, and you'll probably talk a little bit more about that, we have OBJ with reception yards. Also, T. Higgins, receptions, yards, we've both talked about. They're going to have huge games. Um, both teams do have a good corner, Ramsey, and then the Bengals have, again, the guy I cannot pronounce, uh, both <laughs> rated very, very highly. So I think what we're going to see is middle of the field utilized. We obviously know Cooper Cup's going to be in the middle of the field. And, uh, and then a, a last one that I have overall is going to be a uh, Trey Henderson sack. I think we're going to see with that uh, Rams offensive line, we've seen they get like three that a lot, sacks actually. per game. Uh, there's going to be some outside rush. So obviously some interior rush, which is going to open up those outside lanes. I think he gets a sack in this game. I think he's Cincinnati's best rush um, 100%. attack, really. He's got the most speed, I think, from the outside. So his sack, uh, I think I saw that at plus 210. So again, That's 10 bucks right. on a couple of these. If you if you have platforms that you can uh, parlay, I know William Hill is not allowing you to parlay these, uh, par- these, these small prop bets, but uh, definitely one I like as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um- I might have to look in the Hendrickson one. I actually like that a lot. I think he has a good shot at um, getting a sack after everything we talked about last time with the Rams' rough offensive line. Um, okay, so I'll start with the more reasonable prop bets and then not, and then get into the crazy ones. <laughs> so um, I'm definitely on Odell and T. Higgins. They're over on receptions, over on yards, and I have them as anytime touchdowns. If you listen to the last pod, Matt and I break down everything for the offense, defense for both teams in they both check out as like highly likely to have a great game. So I'm in on all of that. 
Um, next one is definitely a shout out to Pat McAfee. This one has become a more popular bet because of what he's said over the past few years. And that is the uh, opening kickoff to not be a touchback. Pat always talked about on his show, the kickoff is using a brand new football. So what that means is it's not broken in and the kickers can't hit it as far as they do on a normal basis. So if you want data to back this up, 18 of the last 20 Super Bowls have not been a touchback. So right now on FanDuel, it's almost minus 120. It's at minus 118 right now. So a little juice. You might want to bet a little bit more on that, but I'm on that big time. Um, Also, I just added this one today because I've done some more research and I think it just checks out. Joe Burrow over 10 and a half rushing yards. I think that's just a good play. He should be running around and he could probably get that on one, two rushes. I actually like that one a lot. And then to the, <laughs> we'll call these the sucker bats, the sucker bats, excuse me, Matt. Uh, these ones are all plus a thousand or more. So the first one and Matt and I are both on this one and this is FanDuel specifically. So he had to send me the money for this one. Evan McPherson to kick a game winning walk off field goal at the end of regulation plus a thousand. Once again, I'm picking the Bengals. I think the game ends on a field goal. So this just fits the narrative of what I see going down at the end of this game. And then the second one, I don't feel as great about this, but I'm going to be upset if I don't take it and it happens. It's Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, and T Higgins all over 100 yards on the game. That one's going to be tough, but once again, I want to be on it. It's a sprinkle for me because I'm going to be upset if we do have a high-scoring, high-passing game, and I'm not on that. That is a plus 1,400 right now. So those are my favorite props for this weekend. I'm... 99% sure I'll probably tweet a couple more out Saturday and Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. And I've got one more. Uh, It's going to be a live bet. So the, this was a great statistic I saw from CBS sports on Instagram this week. The last seven teams to win the coin toss have lost the super bowl. So you can look at this lost the super bowl. So they've won the coin toss. They have lost the super bowl. Hmm. Now I think you live bet this is a better you can go two ways i'm a big believer at some point trends end right especially a trend like this this is outrageous this is you know this is the uh roulette board hitting black 15 times in a row i would live bet whoever wins the coin toss to actually win the game immediately as soon as the coin toss is done because again (laughs) seven times in a row at some point this streak has to end and it's literally it's 50 50 right you're just taking money line at that point Bengals win it you pick Bengals. Rams win it. You pick you pick Rams right there. And a live bet at 10 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever you're comfortable with. It's a fun little uh, little sprinkle in there to, to showcase that, you know, this is kind of an outrageous trend. I thought that was a cool one. No, I like that a lot. And I love where your head's at. Like, just because it's happened seven times, this time is the time that it gets broken, right? Yep. yep. Good mentality because everyone's going to be on the other side anyway. So you probably end up getting a little bit better live odds. You would think. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, though. absolutely. All right, Matt, moving into NBA trade deadline, man. We had a massive trade deadline day. It was probably the biggest one as of recent memory for me, 100%. Um, The biggest story, the biggest trade was James Harden getting traded to the Philadelphia 76ers along with Paul Millsap. In return, the Brooklyn Nets received Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2022 first-round pick, and a 2027 first-round pick as well. So... Immediate thoughts was 
I'm surprised this actually got done, to be honest with you. I didn't think Harden was going to be able to get moved. But at the end of the day, who wins this trade, right? That's the million-dollar question. Obviously, it will be determined based on what happens in the playoffs this year. But I think it's pretty obvious that Philly won the trade. Who's the better player? James Harden, right, Matt? James Harden is night and day better than Ben Simmons. So you are removing James from your roster, putting him in with Embiid, who is arguably the best center in the league, if not the second best behind Jokic. And now he's going to be the ball dominant, ball hander, scorer, facilitator, and absolute maestro of that offense. I think today, Philadelphia actually has a chance to win the championship, whereas yesterday before the trade went down, they didn't. And at the end of the day, that's who I'm picking as the winner. You know, after 24 hours, I think my opinion really has changed on this quite a bit uh, after really like thinking about it. And it's changed from one simple perspective. You talk about the best player in this deal and you talk about the best player that we're having affect this deal right now today. I'm actually looking at it from more of a futures perspective. Uh, Harden was probably going to leave in free agency, right? It did not work with him, Kyrie and Durant. You get Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has three years of team control, big contract. Yes. Uh, we do know that mandates are starting to fall off with the expectation Correct. that Brooklyn, New York will also you know, get rid of their mandate, which would mean Kyrie can then play at home games. I'm looking at this from a perspective of best player on these teams that is going to be affected over the next three years, which is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant easily could have said, hey, Harden left in free agency. I want to be traded, right? Let me go. It's it's time. Like, it didn't work here. I'm ready to go to my next organization like these guys always do. But you got Ben Simmons for three years. If Ben Simmons can buy into this team mentality, if he can buy into the idea that he's going to be the third, fourth, or fifth option on this team, now that Curry is also on this team, right? it could be interesting. Durant might say, hey, you know what? We made an amazing playoff run. Maybe they win the title. Maybe they beat the 76ers or the Bucks. Maybe they go up against the Suns or the Warriors and they win. And Durant says, hey, this is where I want to be. Kyrie says, you know what? We just won. This is where I want to be. And Simmons says, hey, I want to stay with these guys, play more of an Andrew uh, Wiggins role, and slowly become the superstar as these guys fade out in three or four years. This would be a massive win for Brooklyn. Because on the flip side of that, again, you were looking at Brooklyn possibly breaking apart at the end of the season with the drama that Harden brought. Again, you said it perfectly. We are going to have to see how this all shakes out after the playoffs. Simmons could be a catastrophic failure he could not fit in Brooklyn. Him and his agent could still want him to be the poster child of a franchise as they originally did with the 76ers. Because if you remember, Simmons and his agent were not happy that Embiid was overshadowing Simmons, that Simmons did not have the ball Correct. in his hands at all time. Now you're talking about Kyrie, Durant, and again, Curry, the shooter, possibly all being options before Simmons. But at this point in his career, if he does not buy in, he will fizzle out as a star completely. So I think it all depends on does Ben Simmons decide to check his ego. But again, for this season specifically, I think the biggest win is the 76ers. He is going to have the ball in his hands, that being Harden, all the time. He's going to have the opportunity to show that he is a top five player. Again, his efficiency has to improve. He does have 10 assists on the season. I think we're going to see those numbers go down, not drastically, but probably more to eight assists per game because he is going to be taking more shots. 22 points per game, I think we probably see go up to about 27, 28. This is the play I that I expect Harden to be. Now he has to capitalize and he has to get to the free throw line and be effective as we've seen. Next trade. This was the biggest surprise for me personally was uh, <laughs> Dallas traded away Kristaps Porzingis to Washington and got Spencer Didwini in return. So what does Luka do last night in response? He just puts up 51. 
just goes off, right? So I think he's kind of proving the point to the organization and to everyone that, hey, I can still do this no matter who's on my team. So I was confused by this. I like the idea of Porzingis and Luca, but when you look at it, Dinwiddie isn't an upgrade, but I think how I'm feeling about this, Matt, and I don't know if you agree or not, is anyone's an upgrade from Porzingis who can be there in a game that they need him there. And what I mean by that is in the playoffs, when Dallas needed Porzingis the most, he's fucking hurt. So if you can have a guy out there who can play defense, score, contribute, I think that's an upgrade. And I think that's the biggest thing Dallas had to get rid of was the contract and the thought that, damn, this guy could really get hurt at any time. And we cannot afford that at this point. Well, yeah, and I think Dallas made some poor decisions this past offseason. They did not go out and sign Dinwiddie when they had the opportunity to, and they signed Hardaway to an extension. They gave Hardaway right. too much money. You had Przingis on the books for the next two years at about $35 million per year. I think this biggest, the biggest move of this trade overall was freeing up that space. You now have the opportunity to either bring another name in to pair with Luka or keep your options open and signing trades, possibly draft pick trades, because right. we've seen it. Luka right now at the five in the West, he needs help, right? While you can score 51 points in the regular season, how many times do we have to beat the drum that the regular season does not replicate the playoffs, <laughs> right? And Dinwiddie is now off the ACL injury. I think their, their other concept of this is he's not playing at all-time highs. He's not playing at his potential level. I think they're buying low on him with the idea, hey, maybe next year when he's fully back, when he's had a full season after that ACL to get his legs back under him, he will be that player. And maybe he's a guy that we get at a, at a discount or that we can then move Hardaway off this team, get some more money freed up, and really start to build a foundation. Because you're right, Porzingis is not the guy that we saw in New York three, four years ago now. These injuries have really caught up to him, and he cannot stay on the court. You can't build a franchise. You can't build cornerstones when your guys cannot play together. That was the biggest knock on Chris Paul for how many years, right? When, when the lights shine the brightest, Chris Paul would pull a hamstring. Or, you know, there would be a groin injury. And it would continue to chip away at Chris Paul's legacy. Well, Porzingis doesn't have that legacy. He doesn't have that persona around him. I think it was amazing. Getting $69 million for two years off the books was the right move. And I don't really care how the uh, effect image-wise or in the locker room goes. And in six months, once they bring another good player in, that'll smooth all of that over. Yeah, super valid point. I completely agree. Next contender that made a, uh, that made a trade was the Milwaukee Bucks, our team that we root for. Not a huge trade, but I think this is going to pay dividends for the Bucks long term, especially if you watch them get beat pretty bad by Phoenix last night, is they got Serge Ibaka. So they had to trade away Dante DiVincenzo, so not a huge piece. Um, but damn, Aiton dominated them down low. Bismack Biombo, And the big question mark is, is Lopez going to come back this season? He had back surgery, and that's a funny injury, right? And that's something you definitely don't want to rush back from. Um don't have a ton of thoughts on Ibaka as a player, but I think for the Bucks, it's themselves. They really need a guy like Serge just to help out Giannis down low because after that, it's just Bobby Portis and he's a power forward at best when it comes to size. And if they don't have someone down low, they're not going to repeat. Yeah, the Bucks shot 29% from three last night. If you're not going to shoot the three ball uh, productively in this league, you absolutely have to dominate down low. Aiden had 27 points last night. He Most of him. those, if not all of that in the paint. You got to have a guy, you got to have reinforcements. And I think Ibaka gives the Bucks in a game last night where you're shooting cold from, from the field an opportunity to at least hang in the game. I think they also shot 43.9 from the field. So it was a really bad shooting performance from the Bucks overall. They did not have a good bench performance either. 
I think they had overall 17 points from their bench, which is abysmal. You're not going to get that help from DiVincenzo either, right? DiVincenzo is no. not going to go out there and change your 29 from 3 to 34. DiVincenzo is not going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And that was the big key to all of this was DiVincenzo needs to be on a team where he can kind of get his confidence back, shoot the ball maybe 20 times, 15 times a game. In Milwaukee, he's only going to be shooting 8, 10 balls a game because he's got so many superstars around him. The Bucks needed that reinforcement. They needed the opportunity when their shooters go cold to clog the lane and cause other teams to shoot as well. I think sure. this is a really big move for them. And I think last night was the perfect example of that. There was a glaring hole in that roster. And I think they fixed it at least as much as they could. Put the Band-Aid on it, I think. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, there was two big sellers at the trade deadline. The first one was the Portland Trailblazers. They first got rid of Norman Powell and sent him, uh, excuse me, him and Covington over to the LA Clippers. First of all, on the Clippers side there, unbelievable trade. I think Powell and Covington might take those guys over to the next level because if you get PG and Kawhi healthy in the playoffs, to get two starters coming off the bench and Powell and Covington, man, that's going to be so good for them. They're a dangerous team nobody's talking about right now. They're halfway down in the standings in the Western Conference, but PG's been out a month. Kawhi's obviously been out all season, and I think Ty Lue is arguably a top three coach in the NBA. He's amazing right now, and they actually have a dark horse team to actually make the finals. In my opinion, if I was to put money on anyone to contend with the Suns right now, it would actually be a healthy Clipper, Clippers. It has to be a healthy Clippers. If they're not healthy, no. But you give me PG and Kawhi with this deep bench. I love them, man. I think they have a good team, but they just got to get healthy. Well, yeah, and you look at what uh, Reggie Jackson did for them last postseason. I mean, what yeah, an incredible he's performance. Yep. He's still on that roster. You pair him with Norman Powell, you're talking about probably the second if not the best second uh, group of players onto the court, which can stick around in games, especially if you have PG and Leonard coming back and say they're not 100% by the first or second round, maybe their legs sure. aren't completely under them. Having that second tier of players is really crucial. And obviously with Reggie Jackson's performance last year in the postseason, we can't expect that kind of level of production again because he basically played out of his mind. <laughs> I think Powell will only take away some of that, uh, that lack of production we saw and really help aid this team moving forward. And one of the biggest issues from these super teams, whether it's the Lakers or it's the Nets, or it's now it's going to be the 76ers, is lack of bench production. And right. you look at these teams, look at the Clippers, then you say, well, that's the exact opposite. Their biggest attribute is depth with you know players coming back from injury. And every year you see this, whether it's from fantasy sports or just regular sports. You saw it from the Packers this season in football. When you have these guys come back from injury right at the end of the year, they're just not ready. They don't have the minutes under them yet. It is crucial yep. to have guys behind them that are ready to continue to step up until those guys have those minutes and they are ready. I think this was maybe the best trade for this season when it comes to role players. Yeah, I don't disagree with that take at all. And the second thing that Portland did besides get rid of those two guys was get rid of CJ McCollum as well. Traded him out to New Orleans basically for picks. And all these moves were made in cap space, right? Uh, CJ McCollum, I think he'll make a nice impact in New Orleans. They'll have a nice maybe run here at the end of the season, but that's not going to make them title contenders. The bigger story is Dame Lillard, right? He's basically stuck there now with a bunch of nobodies, literally a bunch of guys you've never heard of. And that's going to be the big question of the offseason, right? Like, is he going to keep continuing 
to trust the organization to br- build a team around him because it's just been shown that they had the team and they didn't get there. It's not their fault that they had to play against Golden State in their prime, right? Like it happens throughout NBA history. And Dame, Dame's my second favorite player in the NBA behind uh, Giannis. And as a fan of him, as a player and his legacy and where he's at right now, I just don't think he needs to be loyal anymore. He did his best. He's running out of time to stay in his prime. And I don't know if they don't make the right moves in the off season. I'm completely okay with him demanding a trade and why not just go play with LeBron or something, right? Like give yourself a shot at a title run. One more. He's old. Well, we have a few trades left here to, to discuss, but I think the the biggest takeaway from this deadline was the teams that just, you know, threw it in. That was the Lakers. Right. That was Portland. Uh, the teams that said, you know what, we're, there's better talent in this league. There's nothing we can really acquire via the assets we have left. Right. Um, to the CJ McCollum trade, you know, they've tried and tried and tried to make it work. They did not have the third piece around him. And I think that was their center three or four years ago now, breaking his leg, Correct. who was an emerging star. It's really hard when you have injuries like that. But Portland's going to have to go into complete rebuild. And you're going to have to trade Lillard for whatever you can to bring in facilitated assets to start this rebuild process but there's no way around it the age of Damian Lillard the age of the Portland Trailblazers you know being that fun team that can make the playoffs and make a round or two run is over Dame's getting older his production is falling off McCollum's now is going to go now be the veteran leader uh, on the Pelicans correct correct yeah and and that's it's time it's time for Dame to get a new opportunity um, and, and then the last thing the Lakers not making a move at the deadline I think just goes to show their their complete lack of assets and they're they're going to have a lot of hard times the second half because I just don't think that roster is built to win, especially with the conversations we just had about the other Elliott team being the, the Clippers. They don't have the bench depth. Oh, no chance. Yeah, the Lakers, um, even if they do make the play-in tournament, even if they do make the eight seed, they have no shot against the top of the West. The Suns will sweep them, embarrass them 100%. So if they want to make the eight seed, the seven seed, by all means go for it but they're gonna get their ass whooped bad they're a terrible basketball team end of story it's just the truth last team that was on the seller's market indiana pacers so pacers made two big moves the first they, they kind of kicked off the trade deadline they actually traded out karis lavert to the cleveland i almost said the indians <laughs> the cleveland cavaliers to join that young and up and coming squad, I thought this was a phenomenal trade for Cleveland. Not necessarily for Indiana. They got some draft capital. They got Ricky Rubio, who just tore his ACL and is a little past his prime. But gosh, I love Cleveland. Come playoff time, come next season, probably, they might be one of my two or three favorite teams outside of the teams I root for and teams that I want to watch on a daily basis because that Jared Allen, Evan Mobley combo down low with Levert and the guards that they have over there. They have a fun team, man. I think they maybe get out of the first round of the playoffs or have a really entertaining first round, but that team's on the up and up. And how hilarious, Matt. Just last year, Levert and Allen, both on the Nets, now playing together in Cleveland, when if they were with KD and Kyrie, I think that team would easily be the favorite. Well, yeah. You look at this from a general manager perspective, what it could have, should have. You looked in hindsight a lot of course, as your yeah. future you know, uh, dictates. But I think ultimately this Cleveland team has a lot of opportunity over this season and next season to really kind of marvel what Cincinnati Bengals are doing, right? You just get to the playoffs. 
and you never really know what happens, especially with the way that they're, they've paired their lineup. They have amazing guard play. Yes, it can be shaky at time with sex and shooting. They have amazing <laughs> download presence with Allen and Mobley. Mobley being one of the best rookies, if not the best rookie this season per production outside of Cade. And then you just overall look at the next five years for this team, right? Levert's still pretty young. I think he's 27, 28, if not 26. Yep. He's got opportunity to grow into being more of a superstar, um, to gel more with this team. But kudos to the general manager there in Cleveland. When LeBron left, he left that team in shambles, just like he's going to leave L.A. Stripped it of all of its assets, really took away its opportunity to win. You know, Cleveland gets lucky, gets the opportunity to draft Mosley, I think, at number two overall with that lottery. And this franchise has now changed. Very, very good job overall. Uh, bringing Allen in as well, who was a good player, now a great player. And you bring Levert in for that veteran mentality because most of these guys, I think, are 23, 24, if not 19. Um, You've finally got a guy there that can say, hey, I've been around the league. I've played with some superstars, and I know what it takes to win. That's just going to push them to the next tier, whether that's this season or next season, but definitely a big move on the buyer's market. And the last trade that the Indiana Pacers made was, I think, a really good one. They actually had to get rid of their best player, though, DeMontis Sabonis. And in return, they got Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson from the Sacramento Kings. The reason I like this trade is kind of the opposite take of what I had for James Harden. The James Harden deal, in my opinion, was all about the present, right? You want to have the best possible team now, not the future. You're not a rebuilding team. Brooklyn and the Nets, excuse me, the Brooklyn and Philly are looking to win today. These two teams, as much as Sacramento thinks they're playing for the play-in tournament, which who gives a fuck? You're not winning the title. You need to be planning for the future. And I don't dislike Sabonis. I think he's a very good player. He's made an all-star team. But I just don't think giving up Tyrese Halliburton was the play. I like him. I think I might be a little higher on him than other people. But as a second-year player with the potential to potentially be (laughs) an all-star player, I don't think that's something you give up anything for at this point in time with the franchise and where he is at in his career. So I thought this was a big mistake by Sacramento. I think this fills an immediate need for them, but they're immediately best case scenario, the seventh seed. So it doesn't make sense to me. You know, I have a completely different take on this, and this was the one that drew a lot of stir yesterday at work because it was very polarized and opposite size. A lot of people felt like getting Halliburton for Indiana was the biggest steal, and then the other side thought that getting Sabonis was the biggest steal. I'm just going to bring up one instance that we just talked about that could really change the impact of this trade. You look at Jared Allen going to Cleveland a few years ago. Well, look where Cleveland is now, right? Jared Allen was a guy big that can block up the lane, that can really kind of dominate the interior of the offense and the defense. Add a couple pieces around him, and wow, oh my gosh, now we're contenders. I think the same could be said for the Kings. Now, I do not have faith in that general manager uh, position or that organization as a front office in general, but you go out and you get the best player today in this deal. Not only the best player today, I'm imagining that Sabonis is going to be better than Halliburton over the next two seasons, that he still is under contract because Halliburton is still developing. My comp on Halliburton is absolute peak potential is probably C.J. McComb. And that's not the, that's not what I need to win games. I need a superstar. I need superstars that can play together. Fox, I think, with a guy that can play in the interior could possibly elevate his game a little bit. Now you're talking about what is that third piece that the Kings are going to bring in either this offseason, through the draft, through free agency, through trade that could elevate this team. 
uh, it's it has to be seen, right? But Sabonis also has to buy into this organization, which has been a dism, uh, abysmal. And Halliburton was even asked after the trade how he felt, and you know he could he he felt scorned. Like he came out two weeks ago and said to the organization and said to the fans, "I'm going to be here and I'm going to help change this culture." Here he is in a different city. I do think the Kings won this trade. They got the better player. Yes, they're paying him a lot of money, but now it is what can you do to pair with that player? Time will tell. Time will tell. And part of that Serge Ibaka trade, they got DiVincenzo, so they've got guards that can shoot. Um, it's going to be tough. At least they do have their big man, though, because as we talked about in the past, and just to tell our new listeners here, is like you need to have a big to compete in the NBA now, but specifically the West. All the good teams in the West outside of Golden State, who is an anomaly, has a big has a big man that's dominant. So they have their guy. Um, we're on different sides on this one, but I do I, I don't think you make a bad point at all. I just think they're a lot farther away than they think they are. <laughs> well, so, the, la- the but, last move they made was they trade uh, Bagley out to Detroit. I think you know Bagley being oh, a huge correct. bust. Yep. Second overall pick in the draft. You know, just one of many players to bust coming out of college yeah, in the last up. ten years. Um, hopefully, he gets an opportunity to play in Detroit, get some minutes. He's playing with Cade. I don't think we're going to see that career resurgence that you've seen from some of these other guys, nah. Wiggins particularly. Um, but maybe Bagley can become a rotational player off the bench, you know, kind of gel with some of these younger guys because, again, a second-round bust, that's that's why the Kings are where they are. You know, the Bucks have that second-round bust, and Jabari Parker only were able to overcome that because they had a generational talent in Giannis. The Kings don't have a generational talent. So to bust it on that second overall pick, I think, is the big reason we're seeing this organization falter and flounder as, as we are right now. You just can't miss second overalls. Sure. No, I'm, you make a great point. And maybe it will work out for them, right? Like, got to make up for your mistakes. And yeah. if you can somehow sneak into the playoffs and <sighs> win a game, I don't know. <laughs> you know I, just, I think they should go to Seattle, but that's another conversation for another time. All right, everyone. Well, hey. Enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. We'll obviously be here next Tuesday with our recap of our pitcher bet, the game, the takeaways, the drama. Hopefully it's a really close game. And then we're going to be at the NBA All-Star break. So Matt and I are going to be breaking down the NFL draft. We're going to be breaking down the NBA and the playoffs. And then we got a lot of fun stuff for baseball, fantasy baseball advice, just breaking down if they ever get out of this contract negotiation. Um, getting ready for the next season. So we'll pray for baseball to come back and you all have a great weekend. Cheers.